Welcome to Rise and Thrive, Conversations for Greatness. We bring you captivating conversations with extraordinary individuals who have conquered challenges, achieved greatness, and are making a positive impact in the world. This is your go-to source for inspiration and motivation. I'm your host, John Merkis. Hi, Rise and Thrivers. I'm so excited to have my next guest. He's not only someone that I have a lot of respect for, he's a smart guy, he's a funny guy, he's been my friend for a long time, he's been my bestie for a a long time, and uh, we were each other's groomsmen's in our weddings, and um, every time I have a conversation with this guy, I always come away feeling uplifted and feeling great and motivated. So I wanted you to hear him as well. So we're just going to have a chat and uh, I hope you feel the same way after we have, uh, after you've heard this episode today. His name is James McCly, but he's the king of giving people nicknames. And so I had to give him one. And so I call him Jumpin' Jivin' James McCly. Come on down. Welcome to the show. Woohoo! Hey, thanks, man. What a generous introduction. Sentiment absolutely reciprocated. Um, and it's great to be here, man. It's really, really good. We've been talking about this sort of thing for a long time. And so it's, I'm really pleased to see that you, you've got it up and off the ground. And I'm glad I was in your top 10. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Al. I must also uh, tell the audience that uh, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, you might see a gold record with Rockstar behind it. And it was James that gave me that nickname, and you know I'm not going to knock that back if someone wants to call you the rock star. So I also want to mention that just in case during the course of our chat you call me the rock star because it's it's on the cards because that's how you refer to me. It is the rock star, yes. It, this guy absolutely really is the rock star, and I'll tell you why. It's the embodiment. It's the embodiment of the rock star spirit. It's not so much the technical capabilities and it's not that we've sold hundreds of millions of albums together, but it's the embodiment of music and the embodiment of the spirit of performing and bringing people together. And that's why he's Johnny the Rockstar. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you, mate. Thank you. And well, yeah, because I, I think it's important to, to mention that we first bonded over music and people, uh, regular listeners will hear me always talk about the power of music because it's had such an impact in my life and I know it's had an impact in your life as well. So we uh, ended up working together many, many years ago and bonded straight away over, over music and uh, talked about music a lot. And one of the things that really struck me, not only your love of music and your technical capability, although James always likes to joke and say I'm not as good as Slash from Guns N' Roses, but um, he's a damn fine musician though because you can hear a song. Now, this is gonna, a lot of people would love to have this talent, right, and, and you have it, to listen to a song and then say, oh, yeah, I know these chords. It's this, this, A, B, G, D, whatever, and, and then you start playing it. So how, how did that happen? And how do you feel when that happens to you? I, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna say you take it for granted, but it's something that you can do with ease that is uh, for, for someone like uh, me and maybe for others, we're just blown away by that kind of gift, mate. Yeah, thanks, man. I probably do take it for granted because it's probably how I've always been with music. It is partly because I didn't have any form of classical or formal training and so I never learned, for example, piano. You know, a lot of people learn piano or they learn clarinet or even guitar at school. So I didn't sort of do any of that. But what I did start doing is enjoying listening to music like most people do. 
and uh, when they're you know in their in their teenage years, and I just really had an affinity for you know the the rock and roll and the the metal and the guitar as an instrument. So when I started hearing music, and then when I first got the opportunity to actually pick up a guitar, I just started experimenting, and so I kind of just started joining the dots. And I guess over time, it kind of you know like anything, you practice it and you get better and better at it. But um, I have noticed over the years, I do seem to have, uh, yeah, a good ear in terms of being able to discern pitches. So I guess, it, you know, and plus there's the show off factor, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, play this song for me and I'll play it straight back. That's an ego boost, right? Nice. Well, whatever works, whatever works. But I also know that talking about practice, you did practice a lot because you, uh, I know one of your favourite genres is metal and to be able to play those fast, I don't know, chords, progressions, whatever you want to call it, it does take practice. So when you first started, you wouldn't necessarily be playing, you know, Ride the Lightning Metallica when you first picked up the guitar, but I guess over time with practice, is that how you found that you would just have that motivation to say, I want to learn this song and just keep going back to oh, purely, doing it? purely motivation. It was all about motivation. And then, as I said, over time, sort of you get skill. But you also, so I have the good fortune of early in my life meeting Nitro. And I know you, you and I, you know, Nitro very well, a mutual friend of ours. And he had the technical stuff. He had always been learning music. So he gave me lots of tips and pointers. Um, but yeah, I mean, the idea of approximating the sound and then just refining it and refining it until you've actually got something that actually sounds like the song. Because when you first pick it up, when I was first learning it, it didn't really, you know. You'd get to the point where I'd get frustrated with other people. I'd say, oh, do you know this? Do you recognise this? And they in my house and they go, no, what's that? <laughs> it's like, yeah. So I'd practice and practice and get better and better. But it's that whole thing, right? It's just the more you do it, the more you do it. And if you want to do it, you get better. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Often we talk about in the show about being mindful about the people that you hang around with that can make a, a big difference in, in your own greatness. And I love that that you met a guy that you, uh, I mentioned you, the king of the nicknames, who you gave the nickname to of Nitro, and he had such a positive influence on you in the area of you, your life that you loved. So hanging around with the right people and those great influences also influence your music to go up another level. Absolutely, yeah. And and Nitro has always been extremely technically proficient. So it's always been – and and it's funny because we were in bands like when we were in high school and um, that idea of getting, you know, becoming more like the people you associate with. Absolutely. I became, I guess, a bit more technical – um, you know, when you're a teenager and you're in bands, you also fight a lot and you argue and there's that whole, oh, you know, you're not doing it right and all that stuff. But that just makes you better. And then eventually you sort of look back on it and you realise, yeah, you know what, that was actually a really, really good experience. So we do, we still talk about it to this day, right, as most people do, talk about mm. the um, things that they enjoyed doing when they were younger. Um, and I feel like it kind of worked the other way too because he, he, he would say to me, especially more now these days, he'd sort of get the feedback that, oh, yeah, James, you actually, yeah, you can figure that out really quickly. And, yeah, that sounded really good. Whereas back when we were teenagers, <laughs> there would be no concession. <laughs> it was just wrong. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And um, so, yeah, so that's how we really uh, started bonding over music. And I'm glad that you did have those experiences because I got to be the, the benefactor in a lot of ways. So uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes. So when I started recording or creating music, James was a big influence in my life. And with that album, and actually plays guitar in 80% of the tracks on it where I might have started a song James would just uh, go yeah you can do this and this and this and then put a great strumming pattern and, and just just make it sound awesome so that's also about hanging around with people that can make a positive influence uh, on you because you helped me fulfill one of my dreams right without you this is how I feel without you I would have never fulfilled that dream that I had I, I didn't I don't know if I would have met you know someone else that I might have bonded uh, uh, over music in the same way or whatnot but I really feel like it was a, a great serendipitous moment in my life that we met, we created together, and now we've got uh, our music on platforms all over the world where literally two billion people, if they want, can listen to our music. Now, that's, that's, that's such a If only they would. Blower, especially coming <laughs> yeah. from me where I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's available. It's, it's available. And we had a great time doing it as, as well. So the process of doing it as well as the end result is uh, also um, important about doing the, the process of it. So coming from someone that didn't think they could play guitar, didn't think they could sing, to then having a, a, an album worldwide with some of my own songs. And then James was um, generous enough to say, yeah, you can record some of my songs. So, And I listened to a particular song, Personality Plus, all the time. I just love the feel and the groove of it and, and, and the words. And so, yeah, that'll be available in the show notes. I thought it was important to explain to the audience how we met and, and the friendship that we have. Is One of the things that also we had a passion for was personal development. One of the events that we went to where we saw a lot of speakers, Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay, James Redfield. That's right. Uh, and we we went to this all-day seminar. And do you remember much about that event? I'm starting to, yes, now you mention it. I, I had completely forgotten about it until you mentioned it. But, yeah, and my sister came as well. Sarah came. That's right. It was just the three of us mm. and that was the moment in my life where I saw those speakers and thought to myself, that's exactly what I need to be doing, imparting wow. knowledge that makes a difference to people on various uh, various levels, whether it be in person, whether it be in a recording, whether it be spirituality, whether it be practical, high-performance team stuff, you know, whatever it is, making a difference because I, I like it so much when I do hear it a new principle I think oh I wish everybody knew that and that's part of the reason I wanted you on the show because you've you've imparted some of those principles to me or in a way that I needed to hear and made a difference I'm going to get to that shortly but I just want to go on the bit of the history still so that was a pivotal moment in my life and I'm glad um, you're recalling it now I remember we went to Mike, uh, Michael D'Amico Rowland yes that's right yes and then we uh, I don't know if that was a one day or a two day uh, one but do you remember much about the Mike, uh, Michael D'Amico Rowland? Yeah, I do actually. Event we went to? I do. Uh, yes, I do, definitely, yeah. And that was funny. That was sort of, to use your term, serendipitous for me because I was uh, my flatmate at the time. He had a friend who came around, as you do, and they were in passing just talking about this thing tonight. Are you going to do this thing tonight? And I didn't know what they were talking about. And then he, my flatmate looked at me and said, oh, do you want to come? We're just going to see this thing. I had absolutely no idea what, but it was an intro for um, the Michael Rowland 
sort of one of his series and I'm trying to remember what what it was called it was anyway it doesn't matter what it was called but yes absolutely I remember that and in fact I was so impressed I bought one of his cassette it was called Life Essentials there you go it was called Life Essentials mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I did I guess get a lot out of that at the time um and it was um it was really interesting and just the whole idea of having it's almost like there's this innate potential in everyone, which is obvious when you sit back and look at, of course, everyone's got innate potential. And then the question is not necessarily how hard do you push to make that potential better, but what can you move out of the way just to let it go and to let it flow? And of course, the trick, I think, for me, and and I guess the message that comes across is that we're not actually all in charge of what's we're not consciously in charge of what's blocking and what's stopping the flow. And the, the whole, I guess, journey is trying to come up with a way to see what's in charge, what's in, in, in the way and what's blocking that off. So, yes, I found that very – and it was great because it kind of let me off the hook. It meant that I didn't have to work my ass off to, to do anything anymore. I could kind of just say, well, what's stopping this thing from flowing? Because I'm not making things happen anyway, right? Things are just happening. Wow. So what do you what do you mean about that? Because, you know, a lot of the information that we're told to is like make it happen, take the action, do the things. And I'm big on action, absolutely, to make things happen. So I'm really interested in, in what you've said there uh, about you're not making things happen anyway. Did I just dangle a hook? <laughs> Dangled a, what do you call it, a mousetrap? Um, yeah, man, so... and, I, and I've, I've bitten and let's go because, uh, uh, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, cool. No, that's fine. And so this is, as uh, you know, this is this is my, I guess, my thoughts on it. Um, I can't prove it, but my thoughts are, I sort of look at it like this: when you when you wake up in the morning, did you make yourself wake up? When you eat your food, do you make yourself digest it? Do you make your heart beat? Do you consciously breathe all the time? And then I sort of think about, well, what are the what is the infinite array of other things that have to be going on right now in the immediate and external vicinity that allow you to say I've taken action and made this happen so yeah we have to take action but that's more about the intention I think you know the way I see it it's not so much about getting out there and changing the world in a way that works for me it's more about well what are the things that I would like to see and experience and have and have happen and thereby setting an intention rather than sort of being fully responsible because I think that's a lot of pressure. We put ourselves under a lot of pressure. You've got to be able to perform at work. You've got to be able to get that school grade. You've got to have a, you know, a house and you've got all this stuff that you're somehow supposed to magically make happen. But (laughs) I feel like if you step back, you realise, well, did I actually do any of that or did it kind of just happen? I think sometimes we we um, kid ourselves that we made that happen, and it's more like we had the intention, and then it happened one way or another. Right. So intention setting is 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 important. That's what you're saying. And the action, but the action validates the intention. So it's not so much the action does it; it's just the action locks in and supercharges the intention. Right. So start with the intention, and then take the action to supercharge the intention. Yeah, and the intention can be super specific. I mean, if you look at what I say, one of the talking about books that we've read, one of the first books I think that I ever read that was like a personal development was 
Anthony Robbins' Unlimited Power. And he talked about, as I'm sure lots of people mm-hmm. will remember, he talked about getting really specific and be absolutely clear about exactly what you want to achieve. So you can then take actions and take clear actions and mm-hmm. take, and, and absolutely. And that works for him and it works for lots of people. And if you've got the energy to, to run your life like that, it looks like a really, what can I say, right? It works. But for people who are living in a world where they have family, they have kids, they've got, you know, all these other stuff that goes on, like most of us, right? Do you, do you have to go to that level of detail? Or is it, is it almost sufficient to say, well, I want to have a comfortable, happy, easy day and I want to come home to my loving family. Now, I don't wake up in the morning and say that, but as I look back over my life, and stop me from jumping ahead, but as I look back over my life, I think, what do I? what is it that I really wanted and what did I value and what were my intentions? And I'm kind of where... I'm kind of where I have intended to be in that I've got a lot of time to do the things that I enjoy doing. I do have family and family takes up all my time, but they're the things I enjoy doing. So it's, it's almost like, you know, have, did I create that? Did I make that happen? I don't know. I had the intention. The intention is what did I value? So I guess you talk about your values, right? And you think about, well, what's, you know, what are the values that, that um, we're living by and what are our values? And people talk about values, values, values. But one of the best ways, I think, to see what your values really are is just look at your life right now. So well, how is your life right now? And that will help you understand what your values truly are. And then, of course, your intention can be to shape that as you go. That's excellent, James. Thank you. Because I know that you sometimes hesitate in imparting this kind of stuff, but it's I'm loving it, and I think the audience will be loving it as well. Thanks, man. And I, I, had, I got, I got some goosebumps when you said, "If you want to know what your values are, have a look at what your life is right now." Yeah, that's 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 powerful. And I stole that right, so that's not me saying that. <laughs> it's, people say that all the time when they talk about, you know, there's all these seminars where people want to. That's you being modest, mate, though, because, uh, and I know one of your greatest uh, sayings that sometimes I've used as well is there's no new notes. So there's no new musical notes, right? So we all use the same notes to create the same music that have been around for a while. And it's a bit like some of this information. It's some of it's not necessarily new. Some of it might be spoken in a different way. Some of it might be a reminder. And that's, that's the good thing about hanging around and being around influences that are positive in your life because sometimes we need to hear things in different ways from different people at different times to really resonate or you might have forgotten it you know this is part of some of the reasons that people say oh why do you do this john why are you spending all this time and 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 energy making a show like this well i want to have these these positive messages out in the world i want to make a, a difference to people and what I get personally is I get to live it because I'm having these kind of conversations on on a weekly basis and it uplifts me. Exactly. So, you enjoy um, doing you know, it, right? You're doing something that you enjoy and that energises you. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I guess what my point is to you that it doesn't matter that it's not yours. Oh, truth is truth no matter where you are and no matter who you are. It's it's Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Truth is truth everywhere and all at all times. So you got to tell me more about that, mate. Expand on the, the truth <laughs> stuff you just said. It's just, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just a set of thoughts, right? It's a thought process of, you know, people say, you know, 
sometimes you hear people saying something like, oh, well, my truth and, you know, true truth. And, and I think what they're really saying is my opinion. And, of course, mm-hmm. we, we do have difficulty discerning truth from opinion. That's the human condition. It's very difficult to know what really is the case for just about anything. But I guess what I'm saying there when I say truth is truth, no matter who you are and where you are and what you are, there are some objective realities that we can look at to demonstrate that it doesn't matter whether you believe the earth is flat or whether you believe the earth is round the truth is truth the earth is round and it goes around the sun you know things like that that's got to be controversial obviously because there are lots of people now who just have trouble with that and i've got my own thoughts of that but that's not truth my thoughts are just opinions about that yeah that's interesting and a really good example so it's we can prove it scientifically what you said that the earth is round and it goes around the sun And before we could prove it scientifically, human beings thought that the sun revolved around the earth. And I think Galileo nearly got executed for um, having such a wild opinion that we're actually revolving around the sun. Interesting what you said, though, about someone can have an opinion about that and that's their truth, but... It's not, yeah, how would you, how would you describe that? Because I was about to say, well, it's not actually the truth because we know scientifically that that opinion is not the truth. And is that your point? It's like people can have opinions and you need to distinguish that from the truth? Well, I think so. If you, I mean, you don't have to, but it's probably, it's probably more, it's probably better for your life if you can figure out what's actually true and what's not. I don't think we should know, have to, I don't think we have to know everything. In fact, I could be radical and say, you don't actually have to know anything. You can follow your intuition and just call that your truth. But just sort of thinking about the Galileo example and the earth, and you mentioned a couple of sort of things that you said, scientifically, we proved it. So I think Galileo proved it mathematically, and he had a whole lot of observations which validated that mathematical model, which could still be argued back then that, well, there is still a chance that that's just not true. But once you start putting satellites into orbit and once you start flying jets routinely around the Earth, you can see it for yourself. And that's the difference, right? Being able to see it for your, for itself. And I think maybe, you know, when you think about all, all of what is life and what is life experience, where you can see something clearly whether it's something that's about to happen or whether it's something like as in something you want to happen, your vision and your um, intention, or whether it's just something that is going on in life in general, whether you can, if you can see it clearly and you have that sort of vision and intuition about something, then that is much more powerful, I think, than overthinking stuff and trying to figure out all the permutations and trying to causally link a story together in your head. So it's like, who was it that said it? Someone said something. Oh, it was from Star Wars. And hey, I'm not a super Star Wars fan, but they do say some pretty interesting things. And one of the really interesting things I remember it must have been Yoda. He said, "Don't think or don't try. Do or don't do." He said, "Don't, don't guess. No, or don't know." So if you know something, it's because you can see it. I know I'm sitting on a chair right now. There's not a lot of mathematical proofs that would show me that I'm not sitting on chairs right here. Right, you can see it. I'm sitting on a chair. I can see it. So it's a rambling way, I guess, of saying if you can be still enough to actually see what's happening and look for the truth and look at the truth, then the truth is there to be seen. Way philosophical, but (laughs) this is the forum, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> that sort of thing. This is the this is exactly the forum, and I, and I love it. So you're saying, fuck it, because I like to kind of play it back to make sure that I've got it right. Yeah, and to make sure that I haven't mucked it up too, because I could have got it wrong. This is where it becomes a rabbit hole, right? If your perception is, if you are from a, if you are observing something from the from the right perspective, then viewing it will give you the truth. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at, use the Earth example again, right? Because it's a really good one. It's it's a, it's a good example. I could stand on the Earth and look down at it and think it's flat. So it's about the perspective. So the perspective, if you have, if you have the right, right. perspective and you open your eyes and you're not blinded by other stuff, including thoughts about it, because you think about the preconceptions, right? We can't help them. We live with people and we were born into families and you learn preconceptions. You, If you could unwind some of that and see some of that for, for what it is, which is a whole lot of people doing the best they can with what they have at the time, and you're taking on a whole lot of that unconsciously, that as you start to do that, you then get a better perspective. On it. Great. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up because I was going to ask you a follow-up question. Well, just that our eyes trick us, so sometimes we can't always believe what we see. Yeah, and that's where the perspective comes in, right? And that the uh, the, the the clarity of um, the vision. And I've learned um, since that it needs to be that way because your brain has to fill in so much more of the gaps, so you can just uh, survive. So I don't know if you know too much about that, or can say it a lot better than that I'm thinking. It's just the whole filtering right the idea of your consciousness filtering out and because too much information yeah well my take on it is that you can't possibly process all the information that comes to you through your senses and uh your brain has to pick what am i going to look at today what am i going to look at now in this second in this instant what's important now what's important now what's important now and of course it's prone to getting that wrong so if it's taking in, looking at something that's not actually the main game, it's looking at something else, well, you don't know that because your brain's doing that in the background. I guess that's the it, – it's actually good that you raised that. It's a mm. really it, – it clarifies probably a little more what I was sort of trying to say with, with the right perspective. You, you don't have conscious control over what your brain is. It's like selective attention, selective deafness, selective blindness, selective memory. Like that's all uh, tongue in cheek, but it's mm. kind of I think it's it accurately describes just everyone. Everyone's brain works like that. Yeah, and like you say, it needs to, otherwise it'd be sensory overload. I, I, I recall it's a bit of a funny example, but I recall there's a, a video out there and I think there's some dancing going on or, or something. And then after the video they ask you, Did you see the guy in the monkey suit go through the video? And you're like, <laughs> No, rewatch yeah. it. And you see a guy in a monkey suit going through because they've pointed that out. But at the time, your brain is um, filtering that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, so but I, I also think that gives us power as well because if we can train our mind and our subconscious to be focusing on, to have our brain focus on the things we want to focus on, I think there's power in that. It's a bit like uh, when you're about to buy a particular car, let's say, and you start seeing that car all over the place yep. so yep. because you've you, you've kind of looking out you're, you're looking out for that what's your what's your take on that or do you have anything to say about that oh i think it's exactly what we've just been saying yeah yeah it's exactly what we've been saying as you focus on something you start to see it 
And so that works in positive ways and it works in negative ways. So the trick, I suppose, is how do you make it? How do you make it? If you're talking about, you know, greatness and peak performance and high performance and, you know, living your best self and all that, well, I guess the trick is try not to fill your brain up with too much crap. Try to fill it up with more, you know, the simple things. Try to fill it up with the, the positive, the love, the gratitude, all those higher, you know, higher um, emotions and feelings and thoughts and concepts and values. And then you just go on faith that you fill it up with the right stuff. <laughs> Because like I said, you don't know, right? Like we really don't, we don't know. What are those higher values and things that you think that will be good for us to fill up with to be our best selves? Oh, well, I mean, I think any um, anyone who's read anything in the, I guess, personal development or spirituality space will probably come up with the same list of things you've got the whole idea of being integrity integrous of having integrity um the idea of love have loving thoughts giving people the benefit of the doubt minimizing the drama in your life like go for the simple thing rather than the complex thing where there's conflict assume that they meant the best and it just didn't work out as opposed to those bastards are out to get me it's that idea of taking a benign view of the world rather than there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I've got to fix. It's and a whole lot of drama that I've got to get involved in. It's there if you want it, if you feel like you really need to be involved in the drama. But I think if you want to see things more clearly, again, purely my take on this, if you want to see things more clearly, stay out of the drama. And you'll see that guy in the monkey suit every single time if you're not looking at all the drama. That's uh, that's great. And that's also in line with when we spoke to Karina Murphy in a previous episode, we talked about the drama triangle and uh, she mentioned uh, that and that you can, if you want to, be in the drama, but if you know that you're in it, you can consciously choose not to be in it because being in the drama triangle doesn't give you access to leadership and greatness and other things that you might want in your life. Yeah. It might give you access to... Uh, it's other fun, things, but uh, it's fun, and you get a payoff, right? And it can be fun but as well. The, yeah, but the amount yeah. of energy that you have to put in, and it does get tiring, I think. And <clears throat> maybe this is sort of getting yeah. back to you think yeah. about the whole guitar stuff. How come you're so good at hearing the guitars? Because I was so bad at reading music, that maybe so good at hearing. So it's like, am I so good? Do I have so much energy to be involved in all? Well, if you do, great, you know. But if you don't, it's probably a mm. better thing to not be investing all that energy because then you can invest it in things that are actually, I don't know, taking you to a better place if it's there. Yeah, taking you to where you want to be, taking you to the greatness. And it's it, it just makes me smile that you're also hitting on the fact that that does take a lot of, of energy and that's part of what the drama triangle does. And it's not bad and wrong. It's just if you want to expend less energy and go just to a different choice. place, uh, yeah, knowing choice. that you and having the awareness, yet you get to choose. But but I'll caveat, I'll caveat it. I'll cut you off and I'll caveat it. Mm-hmm. It's funny how if you keep making a choice, how you suddenly one day you stop making that choice and the choice is made for you. So that's where the drama trap is, right? And that's like scrolling on, you know, social media, mm. scroll, scroll, scroll. You, you make the choice originally to pick up the phone and then you make the choice to open the app and you make the choice to scroll and scroll, scroll. But before you know it, you've done a whole lot of scrolling without making the choice. And maybe that's the thing, right? That's what people talk about with 
um, you know, awareness and being more in the moment. It's like, what am I doing right now? Did I, did I choose that? Or am I sort of just doing it because I'm on autopilot? Which again is not a bad thing, but it's autopilot, mm, mm. and unless it's set properly, it'll take you mm. wherever it's set to go. And you know, maybe you have a different idea, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's useful to see it like that as well, right? You've got the choice until you don't, and you might not have the choice if you keep making choices that suck you deeper and deeper into the drama of things. Reminds me a bit of The Matrix, like you don't know, didn't know who was in The Matrix or there was a lot of people in that movie they didn't know they were in The Matrix, but then uh, he got the awareness that he was actually in it and then a lot of things happened after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it struck a chord, didn't it? It struck a chord with, with society. It mm. was such a popular film. So you touched on it a little bit before, uh, but I want to ask you the specific question. So how do you define great uh, greatness and what does it mean to you personally? Yeah, it's a good question, man. I, until, I'll be completely honest, until I heard your the title of this series, I hadn't sort of really given a lot of thought to greatness. People use the term success a lot. They use the term high achiever, high performance. Maybe they're all sort of the same thing. It's like, what what is it that's making you the best you can be it's in your routines it's in your habits it's in your mindset uh and it's in i think the other thing i I hear myself saying all that stuff but then i also think to myself it's also in giving yourself a break and in not holding yourself all the time because this stuff is heavy right it's it's beyond what people would normally you know do or think or um or prioritize in their lives so it does take energy to start a new routine like hey i'm going to run twice a week that's one of the things i do right i run twice a week i do seven k's twice a week and i try to do a couple of push-ups before i go for a run i don't i'm not a member of a gym i don't believe in push 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 for fit it's not my thing i don't push for exercise i kind of just do it i follow my nose i end up doing the same course that's the habit thing and that's the choice or no choice thing it's easy for me to zone out, uh, clear my mind on a run um, twice a week, right? And that's a good thing. What else? I mean, I do a lot of reading and it's <laughs> this is, mm-hmm. takes me to like the whole idea of do I really do that much in my life? I kind of do a whole lot of the same thing over and over again. Ha- having young children is a very big routine um, component to your life. When I think about the sort of books that I read so early on, I, I was talking about, um, you know, Unlimited Power, Anthony Robbins, and I don't, I don't remember consciously a lot of that that was a long long time ago but it was just a really interesting switch that it flipped it just sort of said so you can do what people say which is study and do a really good job at school and get a job and i was going to be a pilot and you know that's fine you're going to be an airline pilot or there's a shortcut it's like a hack we call it a hack these days there's always a hack there's a hack for your toaster there's a hack for this and a hack for that so it was almost like a hack it gave me the idea that maybe there's a hack to lot to life to be able to you know improve yourself so that that was sort of the introduction to that so yes there's reading the other book that has been real i mean there's lots right but the other book that i'm still sort of reading and referring to almost on a daily basis um is power versus force by dr david hawkins who he passed away in 2012 i think it's a it's a great title and i can hear even in your previous answers and whatnot that you are talking about the difference between power versus force, I think. So Mm. can you tell us what the difference is between power versus force and more about the book? We'd love to hear about it. So 
force. Force is the idea, force takes energy. To apply force anywhere requires energy to, to do. So at some point, there is going to be uh, the idea of exhaustion. Power is more about alignment with principles. So if you are aligned with higher principles, then the idea is that being aligned with the power will carry you in a direction that is beneficial to you and to everyone. Force can divide. Force can create opposites and create a, every every action creates an equal opposite reaction, right? Newton's first or second or third principle. It always creates a counter, whereas power doesn't. Power, the idea is if you can align with, again, the higher principles, I keep saying that, then it can carry you it, it, to a very large degree. That's not to say that anyone that I've ever met is perfectly unforceful because we have to be, we are humans and we have to push against the road to, to walk. We have to breathe in and out and push against the atmosphere to breathe. So it's not breaking it down to that degree, but it's if you're looking at the context of improving things in your life, do you have to go and study an MBA? Do you have to go and do this and push and push and work and work and work? I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's a, a, a like another way of aligning more with, well, what is the real, what's the essence of what it is that I'm trying to get to from all that? And then somehow aligning yourself with that. The other distinction, I know I'm going on about this, but the other distinction is force is something that you try to use. Power is something that you align with as opposed, you can't just use power and start because it becomes force and you very quickly fall back down the, the idea of this scale of falling more and more towards force or growing more and more and more towards power. Yeah, well, it's good to get your uh, take on it. And yeah, who's not to say that down the track uh, we might not uh, create something that can help people understand these kind of principles and uh, and do a series on it. But it's great just to have a uh, an understanding of the difference because they're two really interesting words and with the distinction of what the difference between them is, it's really, really interesting. So you've read the book and you say you refer to it on a, on a reasonably regular basis. So what are some of the insights and the learnings that you might be able to share with us? I know it is, we talk about the matrix again. It's not like you can just plug in and go, oh, I know all the principles in the book now and I, I heard James for 10 minutes and now I know it all. But I'm very, really interested in some of the practical insights or even the mind-blowing insights or you know whatever you feel like you'd like to share about the uh, book or some of the things that you got out of it. I'd really be interested in hearing. Yeah, right. Well, the the fundamental, I think the the fund there are two fundamental sort of pivots of thinking. I think that he introduces the first one is the idea that this is the world of effects, not the world of causes. The causes lie outside our experience in the world, and the physical and I guess scientific way of relating that concept is just in the idea of quantum physics and attractor fields. So there's the idea of quantum physics where you have particles which are not anywhere at any particular time until until they're observed one way or another. And until that time, they are a probability function. Now, the reason that's important is if you just generalise that up to everything in life, 
there is a whole world made out of atoms, which are made out of particles, which are not really there until someone looks at them, but sort of are because we are experiencing them the whole time. They are, although chaotic in nature, they are ordered and they are every, every, there is a, a very high degree of order in matter and in material. And then in lives, as you go, you can extrapolate from the physical and then you go into the social and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So what is it behind that chaos that turns it into water? And the idea is the attractor field. So the most famous one is the Lorenz attractor, and it just talks about the way chaos is tends towards order and tends towards some certain states. So why am I saying that? What I'm saying is, is it possible that the whole, if the whole world is made up of these things that are subject to the attractor field concept the attractor fields sit outside time and space so they're timeless that means that they're you're not actually responsible for anything in your life things are happening in your life because this is the world of effects and so do we try and take actions and we talk about actions and fortifying intentions but do we try and change and force the world to do something different or do we align with a different attractor field however you do that right and there are thoughts and things on that too it crosses over into spirituality is the thing, right? It's that whole idea of, you know, the old argument of science versus religion and, you know, it does cross over. There's a genuine crossover there and the idea of a more powerful as opposed to a less powerful attractor field. And so that's the first thing, right? We are in a world of effects, not causes. The second thing is, well, what does this look like if you draw it out? And so he developed and it... it flows back through there's other um instances where a similar structure has been developed but in the book powers of force he draws out this map of consciousness and it goes it starts at zero and at zero you're dead and at one you're amoeba and bacteria and it goes all the way up to a thousand and if you're a thousand you're jesus christ or you're krishna or you're buddha and then Everyone else in in the history of world fits somewhere in between those um, extremes. So why is that useful? The way it's mapped out and drawn, I just find it useful because I can sort of look at it and I can go, well, hang on, here's how I was feeling today. Here's what I, where was I today? I no wonder that didn't work out. I was operating down here. What it does is it just lets you let things be because rather than why is that thing happening right now, why is that person being how they're being? Why is that challenge happening the way it's happening? Why is it not how I want it to be? It's a way of just sort of you can look at it and line it up and sort of go, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know, fair enough. Maybe I could be a bit more like this rather than that uh, and maybe things will work out better. I have uh, the reason I keep coming back to is because I think it works. And so there's this critical point in the scale where there's integrity. Below that is low in, there's, there, there's less integrity and more force. Above that, there is integrity and more and more power. And, of course, you think about it just to, to describe it, just think about the effect that Jesus and Buddha and these people in the past have had on society without with minimal marketing. Like you could talk about evangelism and so on, but really they have set the scene and the tone for civilizations thousands of years ago and people still kind of drift towards all that so i think the main the main things are getting to that integrity level 
And that's the real level of self-empowerment and realizing that, hang on, you know what? I kind of do have an impact here on my experience, not on the world, but on my experience. So rather than blame, 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 and looking mm. to conquer and destroy and be completely uh, at victim of everything, you suddenly realize, well, hang on, I've got a, I've got a role here. So there's that, that's that one critical thing. And then the next critical thing, I think, is getting into that level of science and causality where people start to, the whole civilization, Western civilization is in that level now. We are using physics and science and research and learn, learn, learn and change, change, change. Make a, make a change here, make a, a tweak here and try and see what the change is down the track at this next place we build our civilization on that we've got airplanes we've got mobile phones we've got all that sort of stuff it's all that science beyond that funnily enough is love it's the state of being as opposed to a an emotion it's the difference between emotion and state of being beyond that is peace and i Hang think on. what he what's says what's the difference between what's the difference between those two things well, you have to read the book. <laughs> it's no, no. It's, the, well, no. The emotion is, is, and the state of being. Oh, I see. I guess if you are really feeling the emotion of love, there's no difference. But I think the way people use the word love in a sentence and in their lives, you know, the idea that love can turn to hate. This is an example straight out of the book, right? That that love can turn to hate shows that there probably was never love in the relationship. It was an attachment and a sentimentality. Yeah, well, that's one of the um, great things about having this discussion is that it's opening up a lot of interesting... It's more questions than answers, isn't it? <laughs> explore, but yeah, well, that's life too, isn't it? You know, that's 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 what living, living life is all about. It's never done. There's always another level or there's always something else to explore or think about or experience. Uh, and that's, that's, that's one of the joys of life. And when yeah. I asked you about the difference between those two things, I think uh, you're in the middle of saying uh, above uh, love and the consciousness scale yeah. that's uh, talked about in this book was peace. Yeah, you were asking about enlightenment. And I think once it gets to peace, which is beyond love, um, the idea is that's, in, that, that's the answer to your question about enlightenment. I think once you get to peace. And the idea is you look about, you look at people go to church on Sunday for peace and the idea of enlightenment is, I think, more about live it now and, and yes, of course, your life's going to end at some point, but it's not, it's not a trade. It's not a trade of, oh, I'll do some good things and then Jesus will save me. It's more, well, what are these levels or uh, attractor fields that I can align with that give me enough power to not have to force my way through life as much as I might have had I not gained those understandings. Excellent. Very uh, profound, my man. Very profound. It is, isn't it? It, uh, it is. You know I'm going to go back to work after this and just start talking about normal stuff again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that, that's the thing, right? It's a little bit like... Now you're going to cringe when I say this, right? But it's a little bit like the reluctant Messiah, right? So you've got this information, you've got this knowledge, you've gathered it yourself, you've experienced, you're you're reading, you're do, you're doing that personal development, and then you have this certain kind of awareness that you go back into quote unquote the normal world into, and that was actually one of my questions that that I wanted to ask you about is how do you combine being in the 
normal world with having this deep understanding of physics, quantum physics as well, because you just did mention things change when you observe them. When I, when I first saw that experiment, that's a pretty famous experiment when you're shooting the photons through the through the different Slit, slits. The double slit um, experiment, yeah. Yeah, they change. So for people that haven't uh, seen or heard about that before, and it really highlights the difference that, that things can change by yeah. observing them. And the big argument over the last 20, 30, 40 years has been, well, what does that mean? So you know all this stuff. You have a lot of awareness. You've got an understanding of uh, physics and science and spirituality that, in my opinion, um, is deep and, and beyond the regular. So how do you manage how you reconcile it? that with, yeah, with going into you know, your normal everyday life? Yeah, yeah. I think part of it is you think about what people do in their daily job, unless they're a quantum physicist, it's probably not super relevant. It might be a nice sort of mm. layer of comfort to have in the back of my mind that, you know, some of these things are in the context of being an understanding of how things go, but how, how do you actually use it? You don't. You don't use it in your life. You understand it and you, I guess, to a degree, live it on the inside because people don't go too well if you just start preaching to them and telling them about stuff. And it's it's no. it doesn't serve a purpose, right, unless people want to know. Unless people want to yeah. talk about it, and I'm happy to talk yeah. about it, right? But very rarely will I start talking about it. So it's a, I guess it's like a matter they say, I think they say, um, if you talk about like Buddhism and so on, they say it's about contemplation, which means you don't have to lock yourself in a room and meditate. What you can do is just go through your day doing the things that you would do in your job and just know it in the back of your mind and just observe and think to yourself, who am I? Who am I to myself and who am I to the world at any time? And that's enough. That's deep enough. Just asking that. It's been really and good mate, talking to you, man. I can't thank you enough uh, for being on No, no, on thank this. you. And, and thanks for, like, thanks for organising it. And keep being you, mate. You keep bringing people together because people like me and, and, and I guess a lot of your guests are, you know, happy to sort of share what they think they know about stuff. But it, it's, it's not as useful if it's not brought into one place. So you are performing a community service by doing what you're doing hey mate thanks a million thanks a million you thank you uh, man. keep being you and uh, and kicking ass another incredible episode of a rise and thrive conversations for greatness i hope this conversation has ignited a fire within you inspiring you to take bold steps towards your own path of greatness and guess what the journey doesn't end here there's so much more to explore learn and achieve so if you're hungry for more insights, more inspiration and more strategies to fuel your personal and professional greatness, get ready because the next episode is just around the corner. Every Tuesday to be precise, where we'll continue to unravel the secrets to unlocking your extraordinary potential. Don't miss out on the chance to keep rising and thriving with us. Hit the subscribe button and you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. And remember, greatness is not a destination. It's a continuous journey, so let's embark on it together. Thank you so much for being part of the Rise and Thrive community. It means so much to me that you're listening, and my wish for you is that you get so much out of doing so. Keep reaching for the stars, keep pushing your boundaries, and keep embracing the challenges that come your way. 
because that's how we truly grow. Stay tuned, stay motivated, and get ready to rise and thrive. If you're finding value from our conversations, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Together, we can create a ripple effect of positivity, optimism, and positive change. Keep shining brightly. Your greatness knows no bounds. And remember, be great and stay awesome.